One of the most important activities that you do as a copywriting business owner is marketing. And that can take a lot of forms, everything from cold pitching to social media and almost literally a hundred other activities. Continually marketing yourself and your business is the thing that attracts clients to your door. And if you want to succeed long-term as a copywriter, you can't ignore this activity. Today's guest on the Copywriter Club podcast is publicist and PR expert, Lindsay Walker. She knows a thing or two about attracting attention to your business. We met Lindsay when she reached out to pitch a guest for our podcast. And while that particular person wasn't a fit, when we heard Lindsay's story, we knew that she would be. So stick around to hear what she shared about getting people to pay attention to what you're doing in your business. But before we get to all of that, let me introduce my guest host for this episode, May K. Sang. Hey, May K. Hey, Rob. Lovely to be here. And I'm not Kira, but she's here with us in spirit. Nope. Kira uh, was with hey. us on the initial interview. And yeah, it's just you and me to, to talk about all of that. Exciting stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you'll remember that May Kay shared how she pitched 101 podcasts in 30 days way back on episode 152. It's a really good episode. I'll remind you again at the end to listen to it, but, uh, you know, make a mental note because you're definitely going to want to check that out. And then one more thing before we jump into our interview, this podcast is sponsored by the Copywriter Accelerator. That's our program for copywriters who want to lay a solid foundation under their business and get all of the pieces lined up for success in the coming new year. It runs for 16 weeks, it covers everything from business mindset and figuring out your X factor and your unique mechanism to creating products and pricing and services and working with clients and all of those things, as well as marketing yourself and attracting the right clients into your business. Do yourself a favor and visit thecopywriteraccelerator.com and get yourself on the wait list right now. We'll be opening the doors again in just a few weeks. Okay, so let's hear from Lindsay and how she got her start as a publicist and a PR expert. I have always loved all things communications. I grew up with my grandmother. She would always have the news turned on on someone's news station. And so I fell in love with like journalism. I've always written um, in my journal, like poetry, um, just things like that. And so initially I thought that I was going to be a writer, but in my senior year of high school, I got the opportunity to participate in this program called the Minority Journalism Workshop. And I will never forget it because it was so instrumental in just where I am today. Um, we had the opportunity to pick between careers and I had just finished reading this fiction book and the lady was an account executive um, in the book. She was a publicist. And so I was like, you know what? It sounds interesting. Let me see what this is about. And oh my gosh, so awesome. I got a chance to learn so many things about publicity and how to work with journalists and put together releases and press conferences and all of those things. And so I majored in it um, in college. I did a ton of internships um, and I, you know, just kind of started my own business as a freelancer um, once I graduated because I wasn't able to, you know, find a position back at home. But that's pretty much how, you know, I got started um, in the industry. 
So tell us a little bit more about that, um, what you were doing as a freelancer um, and just basically just, you know, what it was that you were doing to find places to publish, um, to do your work, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, what's so interesting is that I landed my first like three clients. I landed two of them um, from Twitter. I landed another one from LinkedIn. And so um, I just kind of put put it out there that, hey, you know, I'm a freelancer. I use my portfolio from the internships that I'd done and people you know, they, they gave me an opportunity. They gave me a chance. And so I was able to get them placements. I used those first freelance clients to buy my LLC and to, you know, have my, my company name, which at the time we were PR mentality. And then, um, it just grew from there with getting more retainer clients. The more that I got results, I was also connecting with other people in the industry so that they could like mentor me. And I really, really just kind of like went all in, um, with making sure that I serviced the clients that I had very well so that we could grow. So I know this is journalism. We usually talk about copy, you know, ad copy, marketing copy, that kind of thing. But tell us the kinds of things that you were writing and where you were publishing. Yeah. So for me, I'm on the opposite side of the journalism table. So I write the media pitches and then the editors will decide if they want to write and do the story. So I target outlets like, you know, um, the New York Times, CBS This Morning, Fox, um, you know, Refinery29, um, Essence, Black Enterprise, those types of publications based upon what my clients overall message is and what their overall goals are. And I'm able to put together and package a pitch that I know that the editors will be interested in. Um, and so that's kind of how I begin to identify those targets, the editors, the writers, and then based upon what they've been covering, what they've been publishing, I'll reach out to them to garner their interest. Lindsay, let's talk about what your business looks like today, Structural, structurally. You know, how many clients do you typically work with? Are they mostly retainers? And how many team members do you have? Yes. So our clients mostly are on a retainer basis. Right now, we're taking between eight to 10 clients on roster. Um, we have on the team, we just hired someone. So I think now we're up to a team of four. Um, four or five, we have, no, it's four, including me. Okay. So we have two account executives, which help me to work with the accounts and help me to manage, um, who we're pitching to and what the status of things are. We have a virtual assistant, um, that really helps handle the back end of getting our email sequences and our marketing together. Um, and then I'm, I'm now testing out the role of actually bringing on a copywriter to have someone to help us build out those email sequences as well. So those are the roles that we have. Lindsay, as you've grown your business, how did you step through who was the first hire, who was the next hire? You know, how did you identify what the need was and then find the people to bring them into your business? 
Yeah, that's a great question. And I think it's important to note, like, I've been in business for nine years. And out of those eight out of those nine years, really about seven and a half out of those nine years, I was a solopreneur. So I did all the things myself. And I got to a point where I figured out, like, I just cannot do and be all things and do and be and be them well, right? So one of the first positions I created a role for was virtual assistant because I'm like, if I could just get someone to handle, you know, my copy, my content for social media, handling the back ends of email marketing, then that would help me to focus a little bit more on client structures. And then as we started to get more clients, it was just kind of like, okay, we need to hire out for the actual account executive positions so that we can take on more clients. So that was pretty much the thought process, but definitely a virtual assistant was the first hire that I made because I knew, number one, that I would be able to afford it. Number two, I knew that if I got someone in that role to help me bridge certain gaps, then I could get um, things coordinated to be able to truly get the types of clients and marketing done that we needed so that I could hire out for those other positions. How has that transition been for you from being a solopreneur for seven or so years and then starting to transition to building team and stepping into your own, you know, abilities as a CEO? Um, how did you do it? I know it's not always easy. Do you have any advice for copywriters who may be working on a similar transition? So yeah, number one, like make sure that you get your workflow in order. So take a step back in your business and truly figure out the pros and the cons. So what do you love doing? What do you wish you could stop doing? What do you just absolutely hate? Right. And then based on that, make sure that you have a um, flow and a standard operating procedure for each and every one of those items that you were able to list out. For each and every one of the services that you provide, you should have a standard operating procedure for that particular role, for that particular service. And so for me, it's definitely like, honestly, it's challenging. Um, I learn something new every day. I'm learning how to be a better leader. Um, I'm learning that, you know, leaders, you're going to make mistakes. Um, no CEO is perfect and you have to figure out what your flow is as a CEO. You have to figure out how you want to lead and you have to figure out what that looks like within your business. And one of the other key things that I would say too, is that it's not like a one size fit all thing. Like there's not truly a blueprint for figuring out how to be a successful CEO because that's differently. We're, we're that's different. We're all wired differently, right? And so, because we're all wired differently, we're gonna have to figure out. Okay, this may have worked last quarter. It may not be working so much this quarter. And don't get married to figuring out a work life balance as much as you are just married to figuring out what's working for you and how you can show up and be the best person that you can be. I'm really curious, Lindsay, about what a typical client engagement looks like for you. You know, if I were going to come and say, Lindsay, I, you know, I want to be in the Wall Street Journal or I want to, you know, pitch podcasts or, or whatever that is, how do you work with your clients in order to get them better PR? Yeah, 
So one of the things that we do first is we make sure that we build out your strategy, the strategy, figuring out where we're going, how we're going to get there. What are your goals? Um, are you planning on an upcoming launch? Is your launch mapped out in a timely manner? Does it make sense for the media? Um, what are some of your marketing messages? What are some things that are going to capture the media's attention? And once we have that figured out, then we move to, okay, we know what the strategy is. So let's figure out who are going to be the key players, who are going to be the key decision makers and figuring out how we're going to be able to utilize their platform and how we're going to be able to connect and get you on this podcast or get you in Wall Street Journal. Like what's going to be the key players and what's a part of your key messaging that's going to capture their attention. And so we start by making sure that we have the strategy, by making sure we've identified the people, then we write out your media pitch. From there, once the client approves it, we go straight into beginning the outreach process. Um, and typically it takes us, we ask that we engage with clients for about six months minimum. For any copywriters uh, listening who may want to move into a similar role and maybe start focusing on publicity and building a similar model, are you um, open to sharing just like roughly how we should think about structuring payments on a monthly basis with our clients and just like ballpark numbers of what that could look like? And then I know you just shared what you do for them, but over six months, how does that break down month to month as far as deliverables? Gotcha. So number one, when it comes to copywriters getting positioned uh, for publicity, you have to remember like you're not just a copywriter, right? So you don't just perform this service, but you are the brand. So think about the clients that you service. Who've been some of your best case studies? What are some of the results that they've been able to garner through working with you? So maybe you help to write the stellar email copy sequence you help them to map out their funnel and they were able to have a 50k launch in three days right that's phenomenal so you're gonna take that and say okay well this is something i could pitch to business insider this is something that i could pitch to forbes this is something that I think would be of interest to xyz podcast so you want to hone in on what makes you unique who are the clients that you serve how have you helped them? And then what are some industry trends that you've seen, whether it being the industries that you serve or what are some trends that you've seen as a copywriter? Really, really being intentional about paying attention to what you offer from the standpoint of what's my brand, right? And so from there, um, working, you know, with the publicist looks like engaging again for our firm it's six months so the deliverables could be um anywhere from starting out with month one we develop out your press plan your target list your media pitch we start pitching so you could get placed you know within the first 30 days and then from there it's a matter of figuring out what's working um what isn't working who's interested uh we typically garner or like to set our goal for garnering about two to four placements a month at minimum for our clients and that's under a 2500 a month retainer service 
this is a good thing and a bad thing, but a lot of copywriters like to do everything ourselves. You know, we DIY our entire business, but this seems like one area where it really makes sense to get some professional help. Um, maybe talk a little bit about that. Why some of us maybe should reach out beyond what we're capable of doing on our own. Obviously we can write pitches, we're copywriters, but it seems like there's a whole lot more beyond just writing the pitch in order to actually get a placement that you could, or somebody like you could help us do. Yeah. So the thing about that, and I'm so glad that you mentioned the DIY uh, thing because it's real, right? So with that, you want to look at it from a different mindset. So you want to look at it from the standpoint of, am I being the bottleneck in my business? Am I being the bottleneck in my marketing strategy? Could I reach more people if I had a dedicated person to pitch for me um, in various podcasts, right? Because you're absolutely correct. You can write the pitch, right? You can write it and, and get it out there. But if you're spending time pitching yourself for podcasts and various interviews, are you working within your business to best serve your clients? So you have to think about it from that standpoint. And then also, do you know, even though you know how to write the pitch, do you know the strategy behind the pitch? Do you know why you should be featured in these publications? Do you know what they're looking for? Or are you going to spend time in a DIY capacity trying to spin the wheel, um, figuring out, okay, I'm pitching, I'm pitching, I'm pitching, and nothing's sticking, right? So I think that that um, it definitely should give a little bit more clarity in terms of, you know, why it's necessary to have someone on your team in a publicity capacity and or to work with someone like myself in more of a coaching capacity so you can at least have someone guiding you through the process as you're going through it. Yeah, I would much rather work with you, Lindsay, or professional on PR rather than DIYing it. But let's say, let's say I, I have to DIY it for whatever reason. Um, it's hard to figure out the right message. And even as I thought about the Copywriter Club and how we could possibly get PR, um, I just struggle with like, well, what is the right message? What is the right hook? Um, so are there any questions that we could think through that you'd recommend we think through as if we are DIYing it or just taking our first step towards gaining some publicity? Yeah, absolutely. So you want to think about three main points. Number one, you want to think about who it is that you serve. You want to think about who you serve because that's going to help you to identify who you should be reaching out to from a publicity standpoint. Number two, you want to figure out what inspires you to do what you do. So why did you start the Copywriter Club or why did you start XYZ Launch Services, right? What inspired you? Because nine times out of 10, you started your business because you saw a need that was not quite being fulfilled in your industry, right? So you want to think about who you serve. You want to think about why you started. And then number three, you want to think about the results that you have been able to get. What's been the outcome of your services for your clients? And start there. So how much of this is based on relationships that you know either we would have or you as a PR person would have? And the reason I ask that is, you know, I know that you've helped get people in some of these really big publications to think like even 
like CBS this morning, those kinds of things. If I were to pitch CBS this morning, even if I've got a, you know, a great idea or whatever, I'm not even sure that anybody would open my email. So, you know, how much of this is really the relationships that are already there or can you break through? And if you can, what are the things that we need to do to break through so that people will, uh, you know, start connecting with us? Absolutely. You definitely can break through. Um, I've been able to be uh, blessed enough to be in a position to where I've built my relationships along the way. So I didn't have relationships starting out. Um, I didn't even have a relationship with with CBS this morning with the placement that you mentioned, but I knew that I had something that they were interested in. So if you are trying to break through from a media capacity and standpoint, Number one, you need to make sure that you do your research. Know the writer, know the editor, know the reporter or the producer that you are pitching like the back of your hand. Know what they like, know what they love, know what they've covered, know what they haven't covered, know why they cover certain things. You have to do your research. Number two, you have to make sure that you're following whatever their pitching protocols are. So for instance, maybe they just like being pitched over Twitter or LinkedIn, or maybe they want you to email them and follow up right away with a phone call. So you have to make sure that you are aware of their pitching protocols. And number three, you have to make sure that you're being patient throughout the process because getting publicity takes time. Can we talk more about the time and what you mean by that? I mean, how much time, what does a follow-up look like? What is what is normal in that space? Normal is like in the eye of the beholder. So um, it depends. It varies according to um, what the media is working through, what their deadline is. So I always tell my clients, if you are releasing a book, a new product, a new service, you want to give yourself a three to six month window to properly pitch and wait on the results. So for instance, right now, journalists and editors are working on holiday gift guides. And honestly, if we're talking about print publications, they've been working on Christmas and fall holiday gift guides since August, right? And so if you think about that, we're now in October. So you want to give yourself that proper lead time so that you can make sure that you're maximizing opportunity. Uh, in terms of following up, I have like a rule of thumb. I'll follow up with an editor three times. Um, and then if they do not get back to me, I'll move on to another publication or to another editor at that publication. So you've given us a lot of great advice of things that we should be doing or we could be doing or ways that we should be thinking about our business if we're interested in getting PR. Let's talk about some of the mistakes that you see people making. Maybe it's copywriters that you see making, but even uh, from other businesses, industries, what are the big pitfalls that keep people from you know making a splash when it comes to PR? Yeah. So number one, they're not clear on the audience that they need to reach out to. They're just reaching out to everybody, to CBS this morning, to CNN, to Fox, to the New York Times, without knowing who the appropriate person and audience is. It's not enough to get uh, a contact or to look at, you know, a contact us form and fill it out. You have to be clear on your audience. 
Number two, another mistake that a lot of people make is they may send out a pitch one time to one publication and they're like, okay, well, I'm waiting and they never follow up. You always, 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 always have to make sure that you are following up. Number three, the other mistake that people don't make is they're not paying attention to their subject line. They're not paying attention to the different angles that they could be pitching to various publications because every publication is not going to be interested in the same email in the same way. So you want to make sure that you are providing the writer with content that you know is going to be a no-brainer for them. Okay, so I love the idea of um, holiday gifts and really planning ahead and um, plugging into the calendar and the PR calendar. Are there other big events throughout the year um, beyond holidays that we should be aware of so we can plan ahead and plug into those occasions? Um, yeah, I would say any any month within your industry. So, you know, for those that may work strictly with HR clients or those that may work with corporate or those that may work with beauty and tech and all the things, each month you can pitch yourself for something. So if it is, um, you know, April is financial tax uh, planning month and all of that. So you could pitch from the angle of how I've been able to save, you know, as a copywriter and make, I don't know, six figures in the last five months of, you know, my business or whatever the case is. You can look on, there are resources. If you go on Google and you Google like national day calendar, a calendar will pop up that will tell you um, you know, what the different holidays are within your industry. So let's say that I'm listening to this interview, Lindsay, and I'm really interested in what you're doing. I'm thinking, I don't want to write websites or I don't want to write sales pages, but maybe I could write PR pitches or maybe I could help other people do this. What would be the, the best way to break into the industry? Should I look for jobs in-house or with agencies, or is this something that I can just start freelance? Like, what would your advice be to somebody just starting out? Um, absolutely. And that's a great, great question, because honestly, I'm kind of playing around with the idea right now on if we want to just bring a copywriter on board and have them provide us with pitches per month. Um, so if I were to give advice, I would say absolutely. You could go freelance or in-house. It just depends on how you want to structure things within your business model. But I would showcase the work that you've done so far. So any type of email copy, any type of you know website copy, landing pages, if you have that, any type of sequences, like you can use that to build out and to pitch, you know, a PR firm or, you know, um, a, a freelance publicist and say, hey, could we partner together? Could you put me on a retainer? There's so much that you could do within the space. So as you think about those different options, then, um, can you maybe give us some of the, the advantages or disadvantages for, say, starting in-house versus starting freelance? Yeah. So freelance, um, you would be able to get your hands on way, uh, a, a plethora of other industries on way more industries than you would if you were just in house. In house may just stick you to, you know, a contract, but you may have to sign a non compete or something like that. So. It depends on, you know, it's pros and cons and everything. It depends on what 
works best for you and how you kind of want to work. You may enjoy working, you know, in-house, getting a steady retainer from, you know, a, a corporation or an agency that you know for sure is going to be able to provide you with the income that you want. Or you may say, I'm going to freelance. I'm going to work for various clients and then I will figure out how that's best going to serve me and my business model. Okay, so we're breaking in, as we like to do, to talk a little bit more about the things that Lindsay has been sharing that, uh, you know, I think maybe deserves a little bit more attention. So, McKay, I like to let the guest go first. And since you're my guest here, let's start with, you know, one of your thoughts. Like, what has jumped out to you as Lindsay's been sharing her advice? Oh, so many things. So, like, do we have a couple hours? <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll make it not. work. Yeah, we'll make it work. <laughs> All right. So, definitely the first thing that popped out to me was about positioning yourself as a copywriter because if you're in the copywriter club, you're surrounded by a lot of copywriters, right? And this is our, our community right now. So, how about every other copywriter out there? There has to be another way that we can position ourselves for publicity, right? So, I would invite you to consider thinking beyond your working title and consider venturing into the identities you're representing as a result of being visible as well. I mean, as our friend Mike Kim likes to say, you are the brand, right? And so just, I encourage you to just like really look into that. And so when Lindsay mentioned about our, our sense of positioning, just to kind of like venture into different places where you could actually, you know, can where you can position yourself better. So that's number one. Okay, number let me let me stop because oh, okay. I, I think that's a <laughs> that's really a <laughs> that's a really good point. Um, you know, as you pointed out, like there's a million copywriters out there, and if you're only calling yourself a copywriter, you're making your client do the work to figure out like, is this the copywriter who can solve my problem? Is this a copywriter who's good at writing for you know aeronautics or medical or coaches or or whatever? And you're exactly right. So there's there's definitely ways to do that. Um, you know, with your niche and with your expertise and with your deliverables, but it, you're also talking about like even going broader, right? Like going, you know, into maybe personal beliefs or things that you like doing, that kind of stuff. Or am I reading more into that than what you're suggesting? Oh, no, that, that's the right reading. Um, just think of it as an intersectional approach to your positioning, where you just acknowledge the accumulation of your experiences, your skills and your identities that do make up your unique positioning, your X factor, if you will. Right. And so ever since I started thinking of visibility that way, I started noticing that like, we all know that we, quote unquote, shouldn't compare to other people. Right. But in essence, we do like, just as human beings, we do compare ourselves to other people. But when we venture inwards and we start acknowledging what we're made up of, like that's when that just kind of falls away. And then we stay we stand more grounded with who we are and what we're here for. Yeah, I love that. So bringing in all of the pieces that make us unique and not just saying, oh, I'm a copywriter and I can write you copy. Yes, exactly. Perfect. Okay. You you have more than one thing. What else? Yes, jumped out I've, got, to you? I've got two more things. Hopefully okay. we can cover that because I want to make sure that we get into the bullet points that you've got as well. Noted. <laughs> <laughs> so another thing was, I love that the question was asked about how much do relationships actually matter in the PR world, right? Like, am I just like buying access to these relationships like that is one of the biggest things that you know comes to mind when we are considering right so it was really great to hear Lindsay confirm that you can break through without those relationships like, of course it can help right but 
it's not everything, and which is, I think is pretty reassuring, right, for for those of us who are just starting out to to venture into different forms of publicity and visibility. And the reason why relationships matter in in essence is because there's trust there. So if it doesn't already exist because you are coming in cold to someone who you're reaching out to, just build it by being true to your word and have your results support that truth. So uh, yeah, I like that too. Obviously, if you already have a relationship with somebody, you know, at a newspaper, at a publication, at a podcast or whatever, making that work for you, you know, getting them to read a pitch, you know, having them take an interest in your business puts you so much farther ahead than anybody else. And so, you know, when it comes to you know, I'm, I'm doing air quotes now, but doing PR, a lot of it really is just that relationship building. And I think a lot of us think, well, okay, I'll run my business for a couple of years. And then, you know, at year three, I'll be ready to do PR. And I th- that's the wrong way to look at it. You know, if you're building relationships as you go, you're kind of doing PR, and then you can lean on those relationships to make it work. And, you know, like Lindsay pointed out, yeah, you can do this on your own. There are PR professionals who have their own relationships that maybe you can lean on when it's the right time either way. But it is the kind of thing that if we're strategic about just building friendships and relationships as opposed to networking, pitching, all of that kind of stuff, it can pay dividends down the road. Absolutely. And it's a lot more humanistic in that in that way when we see it through relationships and not just like, like networking and pitching cold everywhere. Right. And that brings me to my final point as well about pitching. So we're going to go deeper into pitching later on, of course, but 1000% what Lindsay said about following their pitch protocol, because if we don't, then that tells the person on the receiving end that we don't respect their process. And we're also showing that we lack attention to detail um, or maybe that we are coming across as if the rules don't apply to us. And none of that will help you build the bridge for a relationship. In fact, it could burn it down, especially if it's your first impression, because they don't owe you anything. So if you leave a bad impression by doing something as simple as not following the protocol, that can really damage your chances in the future. And people talk first as well. And so when it comes to like, of course, we all do PR with the goal in mind of something in return for our businesses, right? So just a quick side note, when it comes to a launch, for example, anything that's time sensitive that you want this PR opportunity to to support, you know, give yourself ample time, (laughs) right? Um, Give yourself grace and patience, because we're not always able to influence um, the release of our features, right? And so that's why follow their pitch protocol and also give yourself that ample time there because we need to respect that it's their platform and not ours. Yeah, that is such good advice as, I mean, you you have your own podcast and so you obviously get pitched for that and yes. we see the same thing. Like it drives me nuts when people pitch us things that aren't a good fit. And, you know, we've, we've published on our website, it's, maybe it's not the easiest page to find, but, you know, if you want to pitch the our podcast, if you want to, you know, be a guest or write for the copywriter club, like we do have a process and we, you know, it's very easy to apply and uh, almost nobody follows that. It would would be so much easier if people just did exactly what we asked them to do, because, you know, we're basically giving them pointers on how do you make your pitch stand out so that we'll go, yeah, we definitely want to have this person. You're literally giving them a roadmap, like here's how to pitch us successfully. And 
it's not being bought. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna look for that page later and repitch you both. <laughs> yeah, you can you can uh, criticize and see if we've done it right. But but I think the <laughs> the larger point here though is that you know I mentioned you know maybe you know being in like the Wall Street Journal or something like that. And if I want to do that, well. I, I can't really go outside the Wall Street Journal's process, right? I've got to make the connections and follow the process in order to do that. And the same is true for being on anybody's podcast or, you know, getting your message out on guest blogs or whatever it is that you do, follow the process. And if they don't have one, um, you know, follow just sort of a, a normal pitch process where you're not being crazy, you're not making demands, you, you know, be human, like you said. Yes, 100%. A couple of other things that uh, I just want to touch on before we move on, uh, you know, where Lindsay was talking about their strategy uh, for determining, you know, who they would reach out to and, you know, where it would be. And it struck me that even I have done this when, I, when I'm thinking about, okay, yeah, I'd actually like to be on somebody's podcast. I'm starting my thought process oftentimes with the people or the platform where I want to show up as opposed to the strategy behind it. Why do I want to be in these places? What's the message that I have to share with that audience? And Lindsay just kind of reset that for me as she's talking about it. It's like, yeah, you need to start with what's the message? What do you want from this PR, from this opportunity, from this speaking gig, from this podcast, whatever. And then once you identify what that is, maybe that's a match for the person or the platform where you want to show up. Maybe it's not, you need to find something else. But I appreciated that because I think we oftentimes get those flipped around and we start with, yeah, well, I we definitely want to be yeah, on this big podcast. I want to be on Make Case podcast. And uh, who knows if I have anything to share there that would be valued. Well, I'm sure you have plenty to, to value Rob Love, so we can speak after this. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I, I completely agree with you there. Just um, like, yes, it is great to have these opportunities, but how much of it is efficient for our business and not just an ego stroke? And like, we, you know, we all have ego, right? And so it's, it's okay to want those opportunities, but it needs to lead to something in order to optimize the opportunity and also do right by the audience who you're serving as well. And of course, the host too. Yeah. First, perfect. And then last thing I just want to mention, and this is, you know, maybe a, a smaller discussion, but I loved when, when Lindsay asked the question, you know, am I the bottleneck in my business? And we were specifically talking about, you know, should you get help with PR? If, if you are the person that's keeping you from getting PR, then absolutely you should. But even broader, you know, you know, this applies to hiring a VA, hiring junior copywriter, getting help with almost anything, marketing, funnel building, whatever design, if you're the bottleneck that's holding back something from happening, it's time to you know, reach out and get help. And so you know, this is maybe something I need to start putting on a sticky note for me. You know, am I being the <laughs> bottleneck here? Because I think oftentimes we could get a lot more done if we could just get out of the way of, of the people who want to help us in our business. Oh, yeah. And if it wasn't for you and Kira, when I was um, back in the think tank in 2019, I would have been like the 100% bottleneck. Like I am probably still a little bit in a little bit in my own business. But I've definitely uh, taken off quite a load because I've actually I made my first hire since then. And she has been incredible. So just um, just being aware of like where we are bottlenecking and where can we start to release a sense of responsibility for ourselves and be able to trust someone else? Because it's also trusting other people and also being willing to let go of control, which can be terrifying. <laughs> for sure. Okay. Well, um, you know, when, again, when we're talking about bottlenecks, PR, getting that, you know, you're getting your message out in the world is maybe someplace where a professional could help if, if you're getting in your own way. 
All right, so thanks so much, Rob, for sharing your thoughts. And now let's get back to the interview to see what Lindsay's advice is when we're really starting to think about getting PR for our businesses. When is the right time to start thinking about PR um, for our copywriting businesses? Um, that's okay. That's my first question. And then I have a follow up. Okay. I'll, I'll come back to the follow up. Okay. Yeah. So the best time, honestly, I always tell people if you've at least been in business for one to three years, I would strongly suggest that you add in publicity as a part of your marketing strategy because it gives you the opportunity to build credibility, to build thought leadership and to build visibility um, and SEO with and for your business. So you want to make sure that if you've been in business for, again, that one to three month window, you start thinking about some of the things that we've been going through and talking about and how you want to be positioned in media. Okay. So let's talk about a copywriter who maybe is in those first few years and really, you know, could start focusing on PR. Um, is a brilliant writer, but has not focused on that part of the business. How, you know, oftentimes it's a mindset challenge and block. And um, we talk to a lot of copywriters who are just like, I don't know what I can share or teach or why I should even make, you know, build my authority. Do you work with your clients on that mindset piece or what would you recommend there? Yes. So that would be something that if someone comes to me and I'm like, hey, I know that I need this, but I want to work on my mindset piece first, I would suggest that they go through our coaching program first, where we really work on the mindset aspect. We work on the why, and we also work on step-by-step -step what the ins and outs are. Um, If you wanted to take the route of having a publicist to look at everything from the inside out in your back office and then saying, okay, let me go and take these until I'm able to, you know, afford a retainer or something like that. Or if you're just like, it's a little, it's a little shaky because sometimes we do get those clients that are like, yeah, Lindsay, I know I need you, but I don't want to be out in the forefront. And I'm like, you hired me, you're going to be out there, right? So we will offer that in terms of like our meetings and consultations and things like that. So yeah, that last comment just got me thinking, like, is there a way to do PR where you're not in the forefront where you're kind of able to step back? Or do you really have to put your your whole soul or body into it? Yeah, I would say in this day and age, you have to be in the forefront in some capacity. So even if you're not the point person, um, you can have someone that could be like your spokesperson, but they're going to be out in the forefront, right? So let's say if you just decided to get a face, right, for your business and for your brand, that face would be the one that would be speaking out on your behalf. So I guess if you wanted to, quote unquote, avoid being in the front lines, you could do it that way. But because of the age that we're in right now with social media and all things digital, eh, you're kind of already putting yourself out there anyway. Okay. And then well, the question I really want to ask is, Obviously, things like podcasts or articles, you know, in a place like Business Insider, those are obvious opportunities for PR. But what about other kinds of PR that's not necessarily print or or news related, you know, maybe uh, events or other things like what other sort of almost out of the box ideas are there that we could be considering to be getting publicity? 
Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head when you mentioned events, because how many copywriters are partnering and saying, let's put together this digital summit, let's put together this virtual event, let's get together um, and, and connect with, I don't know, maybe if you have one of your clientele being a real estate person, maybe if you have them being someone in beauty, connecting with them during their open houses or doing one of their um, shop events and saying, we're going to partner together and we're going to talk about why you need copywriting for your business and we're going to invite the media out. So there are a ton of different ways that you could think outside the box, um, even doing like a, a virtual pop-up uh, subscription box where maybe you have all the things that a copywriter would need or, or putting together like a virtual kit. So there are definitely some other outside of the box things that you could do for sure. I love to talk about the pitch, the actual pitch. I, we've talked a little bit about you know how to think about it and approach it, but when it comes to actually writing a pitch, um, what are some ingredients? What do we need to think about um, when we're writing our own pitch? Yeah, so you definitely want to think about, again, what's the overall message of the pitch? What do you want to convey in your messaging? Um, number two, you want to give background story. And this is where a lot of people, they're like, oh my gosh, I don't think I have a story. Or no, like, think about what you've done. Think about how you got started in your career. Think about what led you to becoming a copywriter. Maybe you used to sit in English class and just write short stories and you got in trouble for that. Like, that's something that people want to know. That's something that's of interest. And again, um, like I mentioned earlier, looking at the outcomes that your um, copywriting business has gotten for clients, those are definitely things that are a part of your background story. And then you want to drive home, like, what are your talking points? Like, what do you have to share with the outlet that you're, that you're pitching? Yeah. And, and continuing in this line of thought, what are the stuff that we absolutely should not mention? What should we be leaving out that maybe we're tempted to put in? Yeah, um, I would say kind of stay away from, you know, giving your entire biography. You want to stick straight to the point. Um, also stay away from embellishing results because we've seen people get in trouble for that because uh, publications will fact check. So you want to make sure that you're being truthful and that you're being honest. Um, and you want to make sure you don't provide them with too much too soon and that you don't pitch them with like a bunch of links to this landing page and that landing page. Have a dedicated space that you want them to be able to go to. I read on your website that you've worked um, in the entertainment space and um, on movie screenings. <laughs> Can you just share a little bit about maybe one example of a uh, a project you worked on in the edu or the entertainment space or movie screening. I just, I'm, I think that's really cool. So I'd just love to hear more about it. Carol wants to write scripts. So <laughs> this is right up her alley. Oh, awesome. 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 Yeah. So I had the privilege on um, working on an independent film. It's called Secrets to Movie and it's now out on BET and a couple of other spaces. I worked together um, to coordinate a screening with the executive producer who was my client um, to get people to come out to the screening, both uh, attendees and press to do coverage for that. I've also had the opportunity to work alongside an agency called 135 Agency. And they had, their client at the time was 
Fox Network or was FX Network, sorry, FX, and they were able to coordinate a screening here uh, where I am in the St. Louis area for the film Snowfall. And then I also worked under that same agency um, to do a screening and set up press for National Geographic. So Kira, once you finish your screenplay, we can have Lindsay do the PR for it and get everybody there. Right. When I, again, when I'm 80 years old, yes. Yes. Lindsay, <laughs> oh, I will call you when I'm 80. <laughs> Lindsay, I hope it's okay for me to uh, ask this, but I want to turn our conversation in a totally different direction. Um, I know from your bio online that you are a cancer survivor, and I am curious about that experience, if you're willing to talk about it, um, you know, how you dealt with something that was so, um, I, I'm, I'm sure, challenging in so many ways, but even life-threatening. Yeah, um, you know, I, I'm grateful um, to be here and to be on the other side of it. Dealing with my diagnosis, I mean, it was definitely interesting and a shock initially. Um, I had to go through six months of chemotherapy, which was super rough. Um, and during that time, honestly, I really learned a lot about myself. I took some time uh, to reflect on just things that had happened in my life, things that I ha that had happened um, along the way within my business, things that I had allowed to take place. And that is really and honestly where I learned the importance of setting boundaries as a business owner and as an entrepreneur, because I was still working the entire time that uh, I was going through my diagnosis and through the diagnosis and chemotherapy, but I had to set boundaries. And when I felt like working, I would work. When I didn't feel like working, I didn't. And so it really, really taught me the importance of as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, we all have these goals, these dreams, these ideas, these things. And we sometimes get caught up in the rat race of all of the things. And it's like, when's the last time that you've taken a step back, that you've just taken time out, to breathe, that you've taken an off day, that you've deleted social media from your phone, um, realizing that you are the most important thing. And so going through that journey and that process, I really was able to assess certain things in my business. And now the changes that I've made are partially due to that experience. Can you share some other changes you've made? And you mentioned boundaries, setting boundaries. What other changes have you made in your business and maybe even just personally that have impacted you the most? Yeah, from a personal perspective, um, I wrapped up chemo and at the end of 2018 and I hired a personal trainer, um, you know, because I really am intentional about my health. And although I'm not working with a trainer right now, I, you know, go to the gym, I'll do a home workout. I make sure that I'm like moving my body and also in that noticing that I feel like 100% better when I work out versus when I don't. So that's personally one thing. Um, another thing is I listen to myself and I listen to my body a lot more than I did in that previous season. So if I'm tired, like there was last Tuesday, 
no, the Tuesday before, I was just like, oh my gosh, you know what? I can't do this. Um, my team was working on things, but I just knew that I needed to take a break. And it was the best Tuesday that I've had in a while. I ordered breakfast. I watched some Netflix. I listened to some music because I realized that I've been pouring out and giving so much to so many people between my team, my family, um, my clients. And so I was just like, I need a break. So those are some things that I've implemented personally and business-wise. Now clients can't just talk to me directly. If, if you email me and say, hey, I need a meeting right now on October 14th, I'm going to email you back and say, okay, can we talk next week? So not being so on demand all the time. So I, I think we should make Netflix and breakfast Tuesdays a thing in the copywriting <sighs> world. I think this, there's some power yes. in this idea, right? Um, I'm I'm curious about the mindset shift that probably happened as well as you went through this experience. You know, how did it change your outlook, uh, not just towards work, but towards you know everything in your life? Yeah, um, I am a Christian, so I wholeheartedly just was like, let me be more intentional about my faith. Let me be more intentional about showing up um, and sharing my story. And then also, like, I've got the mindset of I can overcome anything. Like, it may be hard. It may be rough. It may be difficult. It may be challenging. But I literally can overcome anything with the right attitude, with the right faith posture, and with the right mindset and putting in the work. So it definitely shifted me from that perspective. And then I have always been an empathetic person, but now it's just like, oh my gosh, the cat wants to get out the yard. Like, what do we do? You know, like I'm really, really intentional about how I treat people because in the back of my head, I'm like, you never know what people are going through. You don't know their full story. And so how awful would it be for me to mistreat someone not knowing that, you know, they are suffering um, silently because a lot of people did not know you know, people that I would see in the grocery store or things like that because I was so young. They were like, well, why is this girl riding around on this scooter in Walmart? And it's like, you don't know the next person's situation. So I definitely have a lot more patience and even more kindness than I already had towards people. What advice would you give to someone who's in it right now and maybe is, you know, suffering silently and struggling with something, you know, it could be their own health, health um, crisis right now or something else that's huge in their life? Um, what, yeah, what is your best advice for them? Yeah, my best advice would be number one, to love on yourself as much as possible, whatever that looks like for you in this season. So whether you need to, you know, stop talking to a toxic person or whether you need to mend a, a relationship or a friendship or whether you need to just take a step back and take a couple of days off and really, really just center yourself, journal, do whatever it is that you need to do to where you're pouring love back into yourself. Number two, um, 
you know, if you are a believer, pray about it. If not, do whatever it is that you need to do. Create a gratitude list. Um, focus on the positive things and on the positive outcome and know that you are not defined by the circumstance that you are currently going through. It does not make you any less of a person. It does not mean anything towards your character. Sometimes we are just faced with opposition and trial and tribulation. And so understand that your circumstance does not define you. And then Make sure that you are being consistent with creating a routine to where you're feeling good about yourself, regardless of the situation, on a daily basis, even if that needs to be on an hourly basis. I love that advice. I think that's uh, really important to, to think about and to do. Okay, so I want to take our conversation back to business. You're obviously a PR expert. Uh, you help other people build their authority, get noticed. I'm curious what you do to get noticed yourself and to build your own authority within the space so that people are finding you. Yeah, so definitely um, having the privilege and the honor of being able to come on podcasts like this. Um, being able to share the message that I've shared uh, previously about my story. I have someone on my team that works with me to uh, facilitate interview requests and opportunities, getting, you know, podcasts for me, magazine features. Um, I'm intentional about that now more than I have been. And then also social media has been awesome to me. Um, Instagram, Facebook, I go live. Uh, I probably need to go live a little bit more, but I go live and, um, I will also, you know, do ads from time to time. And all of those things kind of make up our marketing suite. Maybe we can just talk a little bit more about pitching podcasts because a lot of copywriters are pitching podcasts. Of course, you know, Rob and I are a huge fan of that. I've done it. It works really well. When you're, when you're thinking about pitching podcasts, your team is thinking about it. Of course, you want to make sure the audience is a right fit, but what else are you looking for to make sure that that time is worthwhile and that it's, um, it's a solid pitch and worth, yeah, and worth that time investment? Yeah. Again, you want to pay attention to like, what's the format of the podcast? So what do they do in terms of running the show? What do you have to offer that's different from their guests? Um, do you have a connection? So maybe your friend was on the podcast and you can connect there. Um, really being intentional about what you want to share with that particular podcast and also being intentional about their timing. So I know one of the things that we've kind of had challenges with in the past when it comes to podcasts is some of them only have like a five episode season and then they're done, right? So making sure that you know what that podcast episode consists of and what that podcast season consists of as well. And let's also talk a little bit about rejection because obviously when it comes to pitching, we know this when we're pitching clients, you know, almost eight, nine times out of 10, we're going to get rejected. I'm guessing it's similar when we're pitching podcasts. I've certainly been rejected in with a pitch or two. How do you help your clients deal with that constant rejection? Yeah. So honestly, um, it, it's me taking the, the grunt of the rejection. We probably get told no a lot, like a lot, a lot on a daily basis or people being non-responsive. But 
I always assure my clients that number one, any client that we take on is an extension of our brand. And so we do not let our foot off of the gas in any capacity until we get the results for our clients. And with that, we also sometimes have to be honest and say, hey, you know, we need to switch up the angle or you need to do X, Y, Z so that we can begin to get traction from the editors. And then also, like we talked about earlier, just kind of reassuring them. Sometimes editors are on deadline and it's not a no, it's never a no, it's just a not right now and when would be best. So talking them through that process um, and uh, reminding myself too of that process is definitely helpful. So Lindsay, you've been in business, you said I think nine years. Um, what what are you building? What's next for you? What type of growth do you want to see? Yes, right now, um, we are focused on building out a team. We're focused on structuring our workflow and the infrastructure within our business to make sure that we can begin to take on um, other clients other than just our eight to 10 capacity. I think we're in a place where we can begin to service about 15 clients um, on roster. And so we're gearing up in the back office for that. I also have a group coaching program that we're getting ready to revamp and restructure. So I'm excited about everything that's to come and what's next um, for sure. You've kind of answered this for your business, but I'm curious, where are the opportunities in PR in the future? How, what does the future of PR look like? Yeah, I was just having this conversation with a couple of my colleagues yesterday, actually. And the future of PR is in audio. It's in podcasting. It's in, you know, apps like Clubhouse. It's on fielding opportunities where you can work with YouTubers and influencers. It's still in social media and it's in making sure that you're staying connected and getting strategic partnerships. Okay. Well, that's good to hear with us since we, since we have a podcast. Yes. Rob, we just need to become influencers. Like that's what we need to do. Maybe I, Lindsay, you kind of just shot down my hopes of ever being in the wall street journal though, since you didn't mention newspapers. No, you absolutely. I mean, media and thank you for saying that media is not going anywhere. Right. So wall street journal, New York times, they'll all be there, but where the trends are, right? Or in those things I just mentioned, you, I believe that you will be featured in Wall Street Journal. <laughs> I'm there. Let's do I it. I believe it. I believe it too. Rob, we're going to make that happen. Uh, so Lindsay, you've mentioned a couple of ways we can work with you. Can you just share maybe a quick overview of someone's listening? They're like, I need help with PR. I'm not going to DIY it. Or maybe I want to DIY parts of it and not all of it. How can we work with you? Yeah, absolutely. So we work with clients in three main ways. Number one, we have our laser coaching opportunities for those of you that just want to get an idea on what the strategy should be, how to implement that sort of thing. Number two, we have our group coaching program called Position to Pivot, which walks you through a 12-week process in a group setting on the ins and outs and building the fundamentals within your publicity portfolio so that you are getting the guidance that you need to go on and get 
and land press so that the media can say yes. And number three, uh, working with us in a one-on-one agency capacity where you are our client and we do the pitching for you on Retainer. That's the end of our interview with Lindsay Walker. Before we go, there are a couple more things that stood out to me. I'm sure there's a couple that stood out to you, May Kay. Uh, one of them that I want to jump to, I'm sure that you were thinking about this too as, as you were listening, but I want to make sure we cover this, is the pitch. And this is something... <laughs> Yeah, this is something. This is exactly why I thought. Okay, I want to talk. I want to have May K be the guest here because you can add so much context on the pitch, and we'll link to this in the show notes. I'll probably mention it later. But you actually wrote a really robust post for our blog at the Copywriter Club, and you laid out like exactly what needs to be included in a pitch and how to do it. And so I want to make sure that we point people there. But yeah. Let's, let's talk a little bit about the pitch and what we could do. Um, and we don't necessarily have to repeat, you know, we, we talked about it on your podcast and you have it there, but you know, what are the, maybe one or two things that we need to keep in mind as we're pitching? Oh, 100%. So it's, I love that um, I used this acronym like quite a while back. And because this is all about PR, this is the PR method that I want to share about the pitch. And this applies to pretty much any, any form of PR, by the way. Um, my personal specialty is in podcast guesting. So um, this is the context I'll be using, but please know that this PR method is, is applicable elsewhere as well. So PR, what does it stand for? Not public relations in my eyes, <laughs> but when it comes to the pitch, it stands for personalization and relevancy. And you'd be surprised, Rob. Actually, I don't think you are surprised because you can see when people don't follow the PR, <laughs> right? Uh, the, the PR method, because it's not personalized and it's clear that someone wants they know what they want out of your podcast but they let that overshadow the value that they can provide to the tcc audience for example right and so that's why being able to follow the pr is like it's very easy to remember just personalize it to the people who you're reaching out to if there are multiple hosts like there are for the for tcc you address both hosts even though the email address may be just to one person that doesn't matter you never know who's going to read it right and personalize what you know about that that platform that that outlet like what what are they all about what are they talking about who are they helping and why is your topic going to be of use here like how is that going to be valuable so that's when it starts transitioning into the relevancy part you can have the most personalized beautiful part at the beginning as the hook but if it's irrelevant at the end when the topic that you're proposing has got nothing to do (laughs) with the audience that you're basically proposing to then of course it's not going to go through so you absolutely need both in order for you to increase your chances but you'd be surprised that people do some things (laughs) where um it's just it's just not following that at all and one thing that really jumps out to me when it comes to podcast outreach like I have been on the receiving end of many pitches and one thing that really grinds my gears is when someone um an it's normally an agency but not all agencies are like this but it just so happens to be the pattern I see it's where they do a bio stack where they just post the bio and how awesome the client is but that's a lot of work for me as the host because they are basically saying like oh here's who we have for you take your pick do your work do your due diligence I'm like uh, no 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 I'm the host you pitch yourself to me I'm not meant to apply myself to you it's supposed to be the other way around right? And so following the PR method, whichever PR you're going for, is going to really help reduce that chance of that sort of visceral reaction on the other side. 
yes, I'm, I'm like waving my arms in total agreement <laughs> over here. You know, there's, and this is, this is usually not coming from, you know, a, a single person, but there's, there's an agency, maybe even more than one that it's not just one bio, it's like seven or eight bios that they send in one email and, and they're like, Hey, here's all the potential guests we have for you. And most of them have nothing to do with copywriting or marketing. It's like, oh, this person flips homes and, you know, makes a seven figure, you know, income flipping homes. I'm like, yeah, interesting. But, you know, like, like you're saying, <laughs> not at all relevant. And it's very impersonal when, when you're doing that kind of thing. So um, I, I'm like underlining, double underlining everything that you're saying there. If, if you can personalize it and make it relevant, your chances of, breaking through all of the stuff that people are getting in their inboxes is so much easier. Absolutely. Okay. And then also, uh, you know, another thing that really stood out to me as, as Lindsay was talking is just this idea. And, and we talk about this, I think quite a bit, um, but it's being brave enough to put yourself out there. And when it comes to PR, you know, I asked Lindsay if, if, you can be in the background, you know, can you, you know, have somebody doing this for you? You don't have to be the face. And, and I, I mean, I think that was kind of an obvious question, but, but to be clear, because I think there are a lot of us that would like to not be out there that we don't want to be in the forefront, but the reality is in order to get the attention that we deserve on our ideas, on the good work that we do on our businesses to attract the kinds of clients that we want that are high paying, that are, you know, high profile, you really do have to be brave enough to put yourself out there. And it's the kind of thing that you can kind of practice, work up to or whatever. But, you know, maybe you can hide if you're just doing guest posts. I don't think that those are the most effective ways to get yourself out there, but it's certainly better than nothing. But beyond that, you really can't hide. You've, you've got to be the face of your business. Oh, yes. I mean, there is a true element of bravery when it comes to, um, I, I actually have shifted this this term a little so instead of the word put I replace it with the word place so I place myself out there because it feels a lot more gentle and a lot more consensual and not not so much like blunt forcey <laughs> but but it's, it's each to their own right and I and I would love to like invite everyone who's listening right now um what does it mean for you to to be visible right because what does hiding look like and what does being visible look like because in my eyes, personally, um, I've noticed that a lot of the industry views visibility through a singular lens, right? It's, it's the big things like on the stages and on the podcast and like all of those things. But there are other ways that we can be seen by people as well. Like email marketing is being seen. Um, when you're guest posting, that is also being seen. It really depends on what your personal comfort zone is and where you're willing to expand beyond it. Um, that's where um, a lot of the unknown comes in and that's where the bravery like we really need to tap into that because it's just something that we're not used to but I would also you know invite everyone to consider like don't discount yourself for what you're currently doing that is working for you right now it may not get you to where you want to go but it's still helping you on your way as well yeah and when you put yourself out there I think the flip side is rejection and this is maybe one of the big reasons why we don't like to put ourselves out there because we don't want to be rejected. We don't want, you know, I, I don't want to pitch you, McKay, and have you say, well, Rob, you're not actually perfect for my audience, you know? And uh, when that happens, I'm thinking, okay, what's, you know, what's wrong with me that, that it's not okay. And that is not what rejection is when, especially when it comes to PR, you know, maybe the message isn't right. Maybe they've talked about the same exact message. It was right, but because they talked about it two weeks ago with somebody else, it's not right 
now. And, you know, there, there are so many things that play into it that, you know, with our podcast, we only have 52 opportunities every year to record an episode with somebody. And so if, you know, if we've filled those up, it's not because we don't want to talk to the 53rd person. It's simply because there's not a time to do that. And so there's so many reasons that rejection happens. And as Lindsay suggested, hiring somebody to help you with the pitching, you know, you can deflect some of that rejection to the person that's helping you to the agency or the, the person. But I, there's almost even a more fundamental mindset shift, which it's not really rejection. It's more of a not a great fit at the moment for a variety of reasons. And let's just keep talking. Let's keep that relationship going because at some point in the future, it will be a fit. Yeah, exactly. It's pretty much a, it, it can be a no, right? But if you don't have a firm no, it's like, oh, maybe it's just not right now, <laughs> right? And I, I love what you said there as well. And, and what Lindsay shared too, is just, um, you know, there are so many variables outside of our control that will impact the result of whether we get this opportunity or not. Um, but a good question to revisit, like when you feel that confrontation or you feel the hurt from a what is perceived as a projection for you, ask yourself, like, what have I made this mean about me? Because if it brings up, you know, anything that is just very uncomfortable, then that just shows you what you might want to work on um, to kind of like reduce the sting of rejection each and every time. Um, I mean, like, I, I still get butt hurt, <laughs> you know, like every now and then. And 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 that's fine because I know it's a part of the process. And But I asked myself that question, what, what have I made this mean about me though? Does it, does it make me feel like I'm not good enough? And I need conclusive proof. Um, uh, our friend Tanya Geiser, for example, she uses this term, a uh, data point. Look back on the data points that prove this otherwise. And that can really help. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, anything else jump out to you from this half of the interview? Yes, definitely. Well, I I was so appreciative of the, the turn that it took, right? When Lindsay shared more about her personal story. And whew, right, that that just um, that just took me back for a moment. All about taking care of yourself, you know, and boundaries and assessing your needs, because any type of PR or just a lot of actions in our businesses oftentimes take a lot of courage and vulnerability to do on a consistent basis. So, in order for that to be consistent, we we need and deserve to retreat and return back to ourselves so that our cups are filled and they can overflow where we can give again from a place of abundance as opposed to kind of like having that well run dry because um, it's a lot. And so I invite everybody to be gentle with themselves and pat themselves on the back just a bit more because it does take a lot of courage and vulnerability to do this. And, you know, it may take, you know, a very important like life Oh, what, what do you call this, Rob? Um, when something in life happens happens to you, um, a life event, I guess. Like it may take a life event, or it may be witnessing a life event of someone else to realize that you get, you deserve this. You get to take care of yourself because it's a big deal what we're doing. Yeah, I, I totally echo that. I also liked, you know, as Lindsay was talking about going through that when she reminded us that you, you know everybody's dealing with something and it's impossible to see what people are going through, you know, whether it's something like Lindsay did with cancer, you know, depression, you know, relationships that, you know, maybe, you know, not working as well as somebody wants, you know, problems at work, like everybody has something and almost all of that is invisible to us. And, you know, when, so when we encounter people in real life, 
sometimes it's just nice to be nice because who knows what what somebody else is going through and that helps them be able to you know take care of whatever the thing is that they need to do you know as they move forward with their challenges or with or as i move forward with my challenges yeah that that's true you honestly never know like if you if you imagine if you walk down the street and everybody had like a little bubble above their head like a little thought bubble and if you if you saw what they were thinking or what they were going through you would have so much more compassion and be much less likely to kind of yell at someone if they, if they annoyed you that day or something when you realize what they're also carrying with them. And so that was a really lovely human touch to this whole conversation. So thank you, Lindsay, for that. And just something that I really wanted to share as well, because um, she mentioned the word capacity. And that's something that I work on with my clients like all the time when it comes to visibility. And something that I'd love to extend and share with the TCC audience here is when you're thinking about capacity, don't just think about it in terms of having enough to do the thing as in like for example if we're having a podcast interview as our example here like don't just have capacity for the interview you need it before during and after so it's three a's i follow like do i have enough capacity for the anticipation of what's about to happen do i have enough capacity for the action itself and do i have enough capacity for the aftermath the aftermath is the recovery period and um, also handling the, re- the receiving response. Um, so for example, if an episode that you are on for a podcast is just released and suddenly you're getting like hundreds of new subscribers or thousands of new followers, etc., etc., do you have the capacity for that? Because I myself did not allocate <laughs> enough for the aftermath most of the time. And that's where I found myself burning out quite a lot. And that's why I shifted into this whole sustainable visibility thing. So when Lindsay talked about the importance of capacity, like I just had to echo that for everybody here. It takes a bit more than you probably would expect. And that's okay, right? But so long as you are prepared for that, then you're able to kind of keep going consistently instead of stopping and starting. Um, You described this... um, uh, this term is that uh, you don't want to be like a flash in the pan <laughs> right and so um, I invite everybody to um, consider looking at their capacity through those three A's anticipation action and aftermath because that's really going to help you be on this like slow burn just kind of like a like a lovely roast dinner like it's not the two-hour roast that are the best it's like the 24-hour ones that like low and slow <laughs> yeah, I like that I, I think that's that's great advice. It's something that we should all consider and even maybe a great place to, to end our conversation, Nikkei. Yes, absolutely. So we want to thank Lindsay Walker for joining us on the podcast today. If you want to connect with her or work with her in any of the three ways that she serves her customers that she talked about, check out her Instagram at Lindsay A. Walker. And that's L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-A-W-A-L-K-E-R, Lindsay A. Walker on Instagram. And you can also contact her at her website, which is Walker Associates, as in associates, but it's not the whole associates, Walker Associates Media Group. So W-A-L-K-E-R-A-S-S-O-C-M-E-D-I-A-G-R-O-U-P.com. <laughs> I feel like you just want a spelling bee. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Alrighty, so that is the end of this episode of the Copywriter Club podcast. The intro music was composed by copywriter and songwriter Addison Rice. The outro was composed by copywriter and songwriter David Muttner. And if you've enjoyed what you've heard, please visit Apple Podcasts to leave your review of the show as well. 
Thanks for that. And if you, just a, a quick reminder, if you're ready to invest in yourself and your copywriting business and lay the foundation for a successful 2022, visit thecopywriteraccelerator.com and get on the wait list so you can find out more about that. Finally, if you've enjoyed what you've heard and you want to jump right into another episode that's related to what we've been talking about today, well, we've talked about PR before. In episode number 229, Selena Sue outlined her process for getting PR. We talked about holding events uh, and using even small events to build PR with Patsy Kenny on episode 151. And we talked with Bridget Lyons about pitching podcasts on episode 150. All of those episodes are packed with ideas that will help you get more attention on your business. And like I mentioned earlier, don't forget about episode 152, which featured my co-host today, Mikay Tsang. She uh, also wrote that meaty post that I referred to for the Copywriter Club blog, where she shared her exact template for pitching podcasts. It's definitely worth checking out. And we'll link to all of those episodes and Mikay's article in the show notes. Thanks, McKay, and thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Copywriters coming together to help the world write better. Copy and make more money. Kira and Rob's Copywriters Club can make you lots of money. Listen to the Kira and Rob's Copywriters Club.